eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 89. Rick, do you have a favorite 89 from yesteryear? Uh... No, I never get prepared for this. I don't. These are actually the eighty nine is a pretty tough one. I'll give you two great ones: Mike Dicka and John Mackey. Mike Dicka was eighty nine. Yeah, so two tight ends, two Hall of Famers, two eighty nines. That, of course, is Rick Spielman. I'm Ryan Wilson. Today is Tuesday, which means it's time for our favorite segment, Pop or Drop, where we highlight some of the top performances from last week's college games. And Rick, going to be focusing a lot of our attention on Oregon Washington that matchup, which features some big time QBs and some big time wide receivers. We'll also look in on how uh, the weekend went for Caleb Williams and Drake May. And uh, (laughs) the consensus top two quarterbacks uh, since the spring. And as always, we'll rank our top five NFL rookie performances from week five. And uh, excuse me, week six. No Jalen Carter, by the way, for the Eagles. He was out. In related news, the Eagles are winless without Jalen Carter. (laughs) Just saying, Debo. Uh, And by the way, as always, we'll look at the rookie quarterback performances some good news for Bryce Young, I think, and we'll talk about that in a second. First things first, Rick, if you're watching us on the old YouTube at NFL and CBS, you can see on the official with the first pick draft countdown board. What we got, Rick? 191 days until the 2024 NFL draft. In 91 days, I get to be rice to not nice to Ryan. And then once it goes below 100, taking the gloves off, no holds bar. It's go time. That's right. Uh, yeah, not looking forward to that. If this is you being nice, I'm in deep trouble. Uh, by the way, if you missed it last Thursday, Josh joined us. Josh Edwards said this, joined us for a live mock draft show. Only two quarterbacks went in the first round somehow. So, Rick, when we get to April 25th, is there a chance, 191 days from now, I should have said, is there a chance only two quarterbacks go in round one? I think uh, see how the rest of the season goes in the pre-draft process, but there may be a couple of these guys because there's a, what's the best, a glutton? Uh, quarterbacks uh, on uh, vying for number three right now. So I imagine as teams identify their needs and teams that do need 
quarterbacks, even though they may draft them in the first round and not have them ready to play year one, uh, but a potential replacement uh, and let them sit for a year like we've seen with Pickett, like we've seen with Ritter, uh, like we've seen with Howe. Some yeah. of those guys, if they continue to play the way they're playing, may end up going there in that first round, especially if they're going to redshirt for a year, if teams say that, to have that fifth-year option. But there's a lot lot to be determined yet between now and 191 days. Yeah, there really is. It, it feels like, for me, the quarterback three-pitcher is getting a little clear, but it's still pretty murky waters. Do you feel the same way, or are you still uncertain? Still very murky. All right, very murky for Rick. Either way, you can check out that podcast in the old podcast feed. Uh, and, uh, oh yeah, this week we're going to get around to those five-star prospect evaluations that you all sent us. So, um, and we'll also take a look at my top 50 mid-season big board, Rick, oh. which I didn't, I didn't include you in on. So you have, uh, you're going to be acting like it's under hundred days to the draft when you see that thing. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of winners on there. I'll just give you a little sneak peek. Spencer Rattler, probably higher for me than for you. I'll just leave it at that. He's on the top 50 for you. Would he crack your top 50? Do you think? No. I don't understand why you don't like Spencer Rattler. Another good game this weekend, except he threw an interception in the end, which I know bothers you. <laughs> He's trying to win it by himself because he has no one else out there except Xavier Leggett. Xavier Leggett made my top 50 as well. What do you think about that? Who? Our guy number 17, Xavier Leggett, the, the wide receiver for South Carolina. Oh, I liked him. He was okay. Great. All right. So he's on there too. So you can you can pick or choose the pick and choose the game cocks you like. Kind of uh my rat hole player in my back pocket that no one knows about. So he's no. your Antoine Green to Pete Prisco, is what you're saying. No, he's better than Antoine Green. <laughs> well, Pete was talking about he fe- he discovered this guy, Antoine Green, out of UNC who did yeah, last draft. A lot this year as rookie year. So anyway, uh, if you're if you can't wait until Thursday's show, you can go look uh, on CBSSports.com and see my top fifty big board. There's also on CBSSports.com, Devo and Forbes, uh, a story about some former general manager who did a mock draft. So you can check that out as well. <laughs> uh, by the way, I mentioned a moment ago, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcast, nominate an FBS or FCS college player, and we'll evaluate his draft prospects on upcoming show. We'll obviously do that on Thursday. We'll empty out a lot of that, and then we'll uh, circle back because it's only mid October. There's plenty of time to, to review these prospects, and we like doing it. And here's the headline. If you're listening to us, um, the headline is 2024 NFL Mock Draft, colon, XGM gives wide receiver to Cowboys, quarterbacks to the quarterback to the Broncos and Bears, and with the first pick, joint edition. It's like a Spike Lee thing, joint. <laughs> so congratulations, Rick. You're published. Hey, I didn't write that. <laughs> you said it though you said it into the pewter yeah no i didn't say it into the pewter i said it on this podcast you, you realize you're talking into a computer right now right yeah <laughs> uh, camera oh i see all right finally if you don't mind take a second hit the old thumbs up on youtube nfl and cbs it helps us grow the podcast and spread the word around the world all right rick it is go time and Let's get your impressions first. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the uh, the Oregon-Washington game? I did. What you think? That was a great football game. What were your takeaways just generally from that? Uh, the only thing that really stuck out to me, you had two high-flying offenses going up and down the field. It was a great game. One of the most competitive college football games I've seen this year. Fun to watch if you're a football fan. Uh, fun to see all of these players that played in that game you're going to be seeing playing in the NFL as well there's a lot of prospects uh in that game and we're going to highlight a few coming up here 
as we get into the show, but uh, very, very fun game to watch. And I've been to that stadium, and it is one of the, even though it's an outdoor stadium, one of the loudest stadiums I've ever been in. And when you are up in that press box, which is about 25,000 miles high, (laughs) little ants running around on the field. When they start jumping up and down that stadium, that whole press box shakes. And I made one mental error. Uh, one? Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't a mental error. It was a little hiccup. It was, I went to a night game there. I went to the Apple Bowl one year and uh, just got in the brand new stadium. And it was cold and rainy, just like it is up in the uh, Seattle area. And I didn't know that the press box was an open air press box. Ooh. So it was a little bit of a mental toughness test <laughs> and hone in and focus on what you're doing and also shaking like a, a dog crapping razor blades. Oh my gosh. There's a deal with people. Write that one down. That's, that's quite the visual. Yeah. That's a, that's a rookie mistake. That's not like you. Was that a long time ago? Yeah, it was about five or six years ago. Oh, not that long ago. It wasn't like you were a scout on the road. No, but I have been there since the new stadium because you, they revamped that stadium. Gotcha. Uh, and so uh, I was unaware that the new stadium wouldn't be in an enclosed press box, or at least where they put the scouts, it was open air. Because usually when they usher in Mr. Spielman to the press box, he has a throne that he sits on with a little velvet cape and a crown, and this is open air, and you had to sit with the with the peasants. Just a man with an oar just trying to row the boat every way, same way everybody else is. <laughs> you got one oar, you're going in a circle. Uh, yeah, that was a fun game. So when I went back to watch it, it's funny because Washington offensively ran about 66 plays and Oregon ran 89 plays. They ran 23-ish more plays. A lot of it was because they were leaning on the run, Oregon was. Um, but when you watch it live, you didn't get that sense. Now, if you're an Oregon fan, you probably have some concerns with the with the play calling down the stretch, especially on fourth down, whatever. But we're here to talk about the quarterbacks in particular. Then we'll talk about a couple of these wide receivers. Let's start with Michael Penix. I don't know what to say. Like, he had two ACLs. He had two shoulders going back to his time in Indiana. That does not show up when he plays. He is so tough. I don't know if there's a better deep ball thrower right now in college football. He throws with great anticipation. And we've said in the past this season when we've talked about him that, yeah, but he has so much time in the pocket, it makes it makes it hard to tell whether if it's just him or, or if it's just the fact that he's not being pressured. Well, he got popped in the mouth early on in this game because Oregon has some dudes on defense. Never lost his focus downfield. Took some hits, made some decisions that maybe he wanted back. He did have an interception. Uh, Roma Dunes, they slipped on that interception. But I came away with this more impressed coming out of the game than I was going in with Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, no, I put that he may end up uh, if he has a legit argument to be the number three quarterback off the board right now if uh, the draft was tomorrow. But there's two things that probably he is a pocket passer. He's not a great athlete to buy a second chance in a pocket. And the only other negative I had coming out of this game is that he does get hit in the mouth, but he gets right back up, tough as nails. and but when he does get hit, some of his accuracy will fall off. Uh, where hey, can I ask you a question real quick? When yeah. you say not athletic, is he more or at, more less or the same as athletic wise as Tua is in the pocket? I think he's less athletic than Tua is in a okay. pocket. Okay. So I just don't. I don't see him getting very creative outside the pocket. Now he'll hang in there, 
And if he does try to buy a second chance, he just doesn't move well enough to buy a second chance. So I'm going to label him, whether it's fair or not, in my opinion, is more of a pocket passer than an off-schedule creative playmaker. Yeah. But he does have great anticipation. He th- he throws with great accuracy. Uh, he ices his arm down after every <laughs> because of how many deep shots they take. And I know. He may be the best deep ball thrower in this draft by far. So much. I mean, it helps to have, we'll talk about Roma Dunze in a second, but to have someone who has the strongest hands in college football as well. Because if you throw it up, Roma Dunze is coming down with it and he's built like a, a what looks like a, an edge rusher. And the one thing that really stuck out to me and when you start to, as I was watching this is that he has such a quick release. Mm. And I don't want to say because he's left-handed, but his release reminds me of Tua's release when you watch Tua play with the Dolphins as far as the ability to get the ball out and to anticipate and the timing with the receivers that he has is incredible. So I'm going to go on record and say, I think he's a little better athlete than maybe you're giving him credit for. I think he's in the Tua range, but I don't, he's not a plotter back there. I mean, he, he's not, he's not Tom Brady. No, he, but he is compared to today's athletes playing yeah. the position. He's would be labeled a pocket passer. Yeah. He me. ain't Lamar Jackson either. He's right. No. He's closer to the two with the Lamar. Okay. Fair enough. So I look, man, if you told me he went in the first round, maybe even the middle of the first round, I wouldn't bat an eye that. Is that too rich for you? I think that, like I said, coming off of this game with that type of stage and that type of hype going into that game, you know, it's amazing that the, Pac-12 was going extinct. <laughs> Maybe the best conference in college football. <laughs> I know. And they've got five or six quarterbacks that are going to get drafted. <laughs> it's easy to me. So the last two throws he made, one was that whole shot to uh, Jalen Polk, who we'll talk about as well. Then he came back and threw that back shoulder to Odunze, and he snatched. Those are two big boy throws in high-pressure situations that if you're sitting there freezing your, your butt off because you didn't bring a jacket, you're making note of that, right? If I wasn't, if I was not shivering and <laughs> you're trying to write like that. <laughs> but no, that those those type of throws really stuck out to me. And those are NFL, as you said. If you want to use the word big boy throws, I don't know if it's politically correct. but You can say big boy throw. They are big time throws. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm taking them as QB3 right now. It's not necessarily that Shador Sanders has fallen off the map, but he's probably coming back. He struggled a bit recently. That offensive line is in shambles. And it's it has less to do with Shador and more to do with the way Penix is playing for me. Um, cross the field, Mr. Bo Nix. And we talked about this a lot in August with a lot of these quarterbacks, rookies who came in and dominated preseason. I mean, they laid eggs subsequently when they were asked to start in the regular season, but whatever. Aiden O'Connell and DTR in particular, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who looked great in preseason because they had so much experience in college. I think Bo Nix is 36 years old. He's been in college so long. Um, But the athleticism pops. I always am surprised at how athletic he is, even though we've watched him every week. He has a good arm. I think he typically makes good decisions. Now, he's a tier below... Um, from Michael Penix Jr. for me. I think sometimes he makes good decisions when he gets outside of the pocket. That first touchdown he threw, threw across his body into the end zone. I loved it. He had a similar play later in the game, which should have been intercepted. And it's, you know, you talk about this a lot, just throw the ball away and live to play another down. I think also one of the things that I struggle with watching him is that he is inconsistent on his intermediate and deep throws in terms of layering the ball. Sometimes it comes out too flat. 
Sometimes he seems to have too much on it, and I'd like to see a little more consistency there. That said, I have been impressed with what he's done at Oregon in a year and a half. He is not the same level of quarterback in the pocket as Penix is. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, But he is more creative outside the pocket, and he keeps his eyes down the field. He made, like you said, some great throws in this game when he's off schedule or outside the pocket. I think he may be a better thrower on the move or outside the pocket than him trying to sit there in the pocket and get through progression in a read. Let me ask you this, though. When you're talking about this uh, in the room in the spring, maybe, you need someone to play within the offense, though. So how are you How are you? Well, that's you're asking yourself, can he play within the offense that we're going to run? If it's a West Coast mm-hmm. offense and the ball's out quick, but is he is in the pocket and is he an accurate? I don't think he is as an accurate of a thrower in the pocket as he is outside the pocket. I have some questions with his accuracy. Okay. The thing that really soured me was right before the half on third and three at the goal line. And he had a wide open, he kind of rolled to his right, had the wide open running back, made a really poor throw, which it should have been, as you said, a big time throw. And then he, it was a layup, just put it out there, let him run in and you go in with, you know, the lead at half or whatever the score was at the time. And then watching the game, he went and was yell- not yelling, but encouraging the coach to let's go forward on fourth and three instead of kick the field goal. And then he rolled to the right again and just threw it up there and incomplete. They go into the half, no points. That three points was the difference in the game of taking it to overtime or not. Yeah, but I he- was really disappointed in that sense is that you had an opportunity to make a very easy throw for the running back to basically walk in the end zone right before the half and it didn't execute. Yeah, no, I get it. And to his credit, he came down and had some, some big time throws uh, that last drive as well for, for Oregon in the fourth quarter. And I would just, I I agree that that you can't dirt that throw. It's a layup. Uh, A seventh grader can make that throw. That said, we saw Justin Herbert honk a throw late in the game on Monday night. And he's one of the best players on planet Earth. So you got to figure out what it means. Is he? But that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, I know. Golly. I, I don't know, man. I love Justin Herbert, and it, it just didn't work. I don't know why they can't beat teams. Or, the Cowboys are a good team, but they, they should have won that game. That's a conversation for another time. All right, so Bo Nix, to me, feels like a day two guy, maybe even round two because of the – do you call it upside when you're 24? You just too rich for you? I, I think he's maybe a third rounder. I'm going to put him in that category, borderline third, fourth rounder. So let's see. Like now, but it'll be interesting um, if all these guys show up down at the Senior Bowl and we actually get to see him throw live and and watch him practice uh, right during the week because that will determine a lot, a little bit on getting a real true sense and feel for him because you can see everything that you can't see on tape. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to spill the beans. There's a chance it might be the Shrine Bowl, too, so we might be doubling up. So we'll we'll see uh, a lot of these guys. Speaking of the Shrine Bowl, last year DTR and Aiden O'Connell were there. And where you – if you had to draft Knicks, DTR, and O'Connell, how are you ranking those guys? He's like an in-between. Okay. You like Not DTR a little better? DTR. Um Maybe a little bit more accurate thrower than DTR, I thought, coming out of UCLA. Um, better athlete than O'Connell, but maybe not as polished as a passer from the pocket. Yeah. So I 
put him right there in between whichever way you want to throw him in a bag and pick him. So that out. says early day three, then. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm going to stick with day two just because the the upside. But let's go to these wide receivers, and I'll just name them, and then we can talk about them. Roma Dunze, we talked a little bit about Jalen Polk. We talked a little bit about. Um, Jalen Polk made my top 50, by the way. T- Troy Franklin as well on the Oregon side. Uh, all these guys went over 100 yards. What do you make of cases? guys have in your top 50, 150? You can only have – top 50 means there's only 50 guys. Every guy we talk about is in your top 50. I don't mind <laughs> fit them all in. It's it's amazing. It's the same thing. Like, everyone's a first-round grade for me, too. That's just yeah, how it works. Incredible. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's wild for sure. So – Let's talk with the Washington guys first, and then we'll go to Troy Franklin on the Oregon side. And I talked about Troy Franklin a few weeks ago when we talked about the Oregon-Colorado game, how he flashed there. Adunze's just – I don't – he – I like him more and more the more I watch him. If, when I first saw him over the summer, I thought maybe he wasn't as twitchy as, as he turns out that he is. But um, physical, fast, stacks these cornerbacks on these vertical routes, and then he just wins jump balls. And I know a lot of times we talk about, well, if he's not creating separation in college, maybe he's just slow he's just and he's just taller than everyone else. I feel like Odunze checks a lot of boxes. Polk, number two, uh, is, is a little twitchier, a little thinner in frame, but he can high point the ball as well. And then Troy Franklin reminds me a little bit of Polk in terms of the way they, they approach the game, but I didn't think Franklin was quite as, as uh, smooth in his movements as Polk was. No. Uh... Udunze's really helped himself. Now, he may be climbing his way up into that first round, too, as we try to figure out who the number two, three receiver is. I mean, I think he's starting to get his name in the conversations with the neighbors of the world, even though he may not be as fast. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, Ekbuke from Ohio State. So there, it's going to be a really strong receiver. Coleman at Florida State, I mean – there are going to be some really good receivers in this uh, draft class the more it continues to unfold through the season. But Rome has done a phenomenal job as far as when a play needs to be made in a critical situation in the game, Penix knows he can put the ball up and Adunze has a pretty good chance of if it's in a contested situation, if it's a back shoulder throw, he is going to go get the ball. And, uh, and he just seems to come up with big plays in critical times during the game. He is excellent size, excellent strength, body control, everything you're looking for. He may not be the most electric with the ball in his hands after the catch, and he's probably not going to run a 4-3, but he is a extremely talented receiver that wins down the field because of his ath- athleticism to go up and get the ball and his strength to go up and get the ball over a DB. Yeah, I forgot to do – I'll go back and do it. I forgot to do the, the Spielman trick of counting two steps for five yards and trying to translate that. Someone who actually listened to the show mentioned in one of the comments they did exactly that with uh, Brendan Rice, the Jerry's son for USC, and, and thinks he might be a 4-5 or five guy. So we'll, we'll find out. So that's – look at that, Rick. You're spreading your wisdom around the world. Uh, one of the notes I wrote down when I was watching this game is why on God's green earth would you leave Odunze – in single coverage if you're Oregon down the stretch because you know where the ball's going, and he might as well be uncovered at that point. Right, but um, Polk is a good receiver. The first time I really noticed him or, or got a chance to look What do you at think? Him. I think he's smooth athlete. I think he's fast. I think he has a large catching radius. Um, I think uh, he made some big plays down the field in this game. Uh, I was kind of pleasantly surprised. I think he needs some route refinement. 
I don't think he's in the upper echelon of receivers. You know, we didn't even talk about McMillan, who's also on that roster. He got hurt. He's been battling injuries the last few weeks. He played the yeah. first few snaps and come, came out as well. But right, yeah. And But this Polkas kind of stepped up in his role. Yeah. They have NFL talent at the quarterback <laughs> and receiver position. And that helps. See, yeah. Why the Huskies are where they're at right now. Yeah. And they may be a Final Four team if they keep going undefeated. I mean, they're better than USC right now. And I'm looking forward to that matchup, which I think is later this this fall. And what about on the other side, Troy Franklin, who reminds me, as I said, a little bit of Pope, but I don't think he's quite as as um, sudden or, or smooth in his movements. Yeah. You didn't like him? He made some explosive plays. It takes him a while. Like, he tried to run a stutter go. He has to gear down. Then yeah. it takes him, like, from gear one to gear two to gear three. It takes him a while to get going back up again. Um, so, but he's not very twitchy. Uh, especially with routes coming back to the quarterback. I do like his catching radius. I, you know, he had the three explosive plays I charted, 30 yard touchdown, the uh, nine route that looked like a busted coverage. Um, should be, uh, had very good tracking skills. He just doesn't do much after the catch for me, even though he made some explosive plays. And I think he is needs to get stronger yeah. when he's in the contested situation. Too many times. For his length. Now, it looks wiry. I don't know how much he weighs, but he lets the DBs come through him to have pass breakups. Where when you compare him to Rome, that that guy, no one's coming through. He's no. a man's man. Yeah, he's boxing out. He's boxing out, and he's like a small forward on a basketball team. This kid needs to get stronger in contested situations and go get the ball. I don't know what type of workout Troy Franklin would have to do to look like Roma Dunze, but it's probably not legal. So I would just encourage him to, to work out to look like me, but then that's a whole other. <laughs> All right. Debo uh, does this caricature again to help you out. I love that. That fires you up more. You don't care that I have a head full of hair in that photograph. You care that I have my muscles are as big as yours. Yeah, it's 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 false advertising. <laughs> I think we can uh, get arrested for that. <laughs> <laughs> I dare someone to try to arrest me with those pipes. <laughs> All right, let's pop or drop these guys before we take a quick break here. Penix feels like a pop pop. Pop. Yep. All right. Where are you on Bo Nix? Drop. I knew it. Unbelievable. I'm giving him a pop. Uh Adunze's got to be a pop pop. Yep. Tell me about poke. Pop. All right. And then it see it feels like Troy is not your guy. Pop. Nope. Okay. Nixon Franklin got Drops. I'm going to pop everybody because that's how I am. Everyone's in the top 50. Everyone's a first round pick. Everyone gets a pop. Yeah. Amazing. It just, it's amazing how you make that all work. Welcome to my world. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at old Drake May and some of his teammates there at UNC and how their weekend went against the U right after this. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time. 
just like me, and also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiore Gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. All right, Rick. The Tar Heels played the Hurricanes and put a whooping on them by the time it was all said and done. Taylor Van Dyke started off okay and then sort of hit a rough patch there. But I want to talk about Drake May, the quarterback. Number two, who's been the consensus since the, the draft ended back in, in early May. And I'll just keep coming back to the same things I've said throughout the fall when we talk about Drake May. Athleticism's there. Playmaking ability's there. At times, his, slop, his footwork can be sloppy, and it affects his accuracy. I think at times he makes some really poor decisions. And look, the offensive line at times has been horrific, and it's hard to get a gauge on how good you are when you're running for your life. Ask Bryce Young for the Carolina Panthers. And I just wonder if the lack of consistency and the poor decision-making is something that you can not be concerned about when you draft him to the NFL because it feels like it should be a concern. So I love him. He's quarterback too, but I have questions, and that's what I'm posing to you. Um, well, he got took a beating this game. Yep. I mean, they were sending people from – Left field, right field, center field. The bleachers. <laughs> the bleachers. He does not have a lot of talent around him. Des Walker, who we're going to talk about, uh, is a talented receiver that we'll get into here in a minute. But when he has time and he can get through his progressions, he makes all the NFL throws you want to see. I mean, the post route to Des Walker was a great throw. I seen him come off his, his first initial target to get to the second when he had time. But too often he was getting pounded now. Yeah. You ask if anyone questions this kid's toughness, I, I don't know how you can do that. So, and he doesn't have receivers that create separation or even get open, especially when they're, you know, they were playing man coverage and everything else because Miami had a very aggressive approach to trying to keep him off kilter in this game. And, uh, but I, I don't have, as many concerns with him as you do. I just think that he doesn't get a lot of help around him. Uh, but when you give him at least some time, then he makes all the accurate NFL throws that you need to see. Yeah, no, I get it. And that's why I said the offensive line is not very good. Just some of the, let me ask you this question. And just for the sake of conversation, not that I necessarily agree with it, but last year, this time we were making similar excuses for Will Levis. What's the difference in terms of what you've seen, I know you're huffing, huffing and puffing there. What's the difference over the first two months of the season for Will Levis last year and Drake May this year? This guy is not nearly as mechanical as Will Levis. Okay. Will Levis, to me, was more robotic. But he didn't have an offensive line, didn't have playmakers around him, and he struggled with a lot of the same things. Plays than Will Levis did last year. Okay. Maybe similar situation that you're putting him in. But I think it's going to be different now. At least he has a legit NFL prospect and and – and Walker that okay. I've seen this first game I've ever seen Walker play in. So. Okay. Yeah. Now look, he's QB two. He's a top five pick. No doubt about it. I'm just asking the questions because 
you know, I'm tough on all these kids. I, I, literally, everyone's a, a first round pick except Drake May <laughs> for some yeah, reason. He's not even in the top 50 for you. <laughs> no, I love Drake May, but I, I, you make some throws. And you're like, all right, well, I'm going to make a note of that and ask Rick and let Rick, Rick support him. You know what Pete would say? Pete would say, he must go to Alabama the way Rick talks about that kid. All right, let's go to his, re- uh, his roommate, his teammate. Devontae Walker, Tez Walker, finally got a chance to play, came back uh, last week against Syracuse when they blew the doors off the Cuse, played again against the U, had six catches, 132 yards, three touchdowns. Do you have three? Good Lord. Uh, I'm going to start here because I think I know the answer based on what you just said, but I'm not sure I feel the same way as you're going to feel in my mind. Tez Walker or Troy Franklin? Who do you like more? Tez Walker. Okay. Because I think I like Franklin a little more, but tell me why you like Te- – I thought Tez wasn't – he feels like a long strider. It doesn't necessarily feel like he's going to win a lot early in the route based on his on his feet. But Franklin's a quick twitch? No, I don't. But, I mean, if I'm comparing them, I, they're pretty close. Walker's a, a better built they're wide receiver. More explosive than Franklin. So Tez is in your mind? Oh, God, yeah. It's not okay. even close. All right, go ahead. Tell me about why you like Tez. <laughs> Okay, wait. I, I'm sorry. I apologize. I still have 91 more days to be nice to you. No, you're you're being fine. That was nothing. That was that was kid kid gloves. Take a deep breath. <laughs> All right, Count Tez 10. Walker, you have the floor. Very smooth. Very athletic. Is explosive into and out of his cuts. Uh, very good hands. Natural hands cutter that extends away from his body. He can kick it into second gear after the catch. He ran through Kitchen's tackle for one of the touchdowns. You've seen him separate on the uh, post route for a touchdown. He can start and stop as far as going from zero to 60, where it took Franklin 22 minutes to get going from first to crushing this kid. Um, this kid is very smooth after the catch. He can break tackles. He's your strong. dogs like Franklin better. I, yeah. I hear that. <laughs> so uh, to me, there was no comparison. And this is only one game review on Tez right. Walker. So we'll have to see. But in this first impression I had, he jumped off the tape for me. Maybe the other takeaway is that if Drake May took the beat and he did with, with Tez, imagine what he was doing before Tez even was allowed to play in terms of having to take over games. Well, I had the first time I had the exposure to Franklin. This was this last game. And this was my first exposure exposure to Walker. And there was no comparison. Okay. So Drake's going to be a pop for you? Yes. Pop, pop. And then Tez, you love pop, pop. All right. Let's talk about the. What'd you say? How, how can you give Drake May a pop after you just crushed him? Yeah, I'll give him a drop. You're right. I can't give everyone a pop. He's he's my uh, he's the guy that I think is going to go in the fifth round this year. I'm calling it now. Yep. But I give Tez a pop. Um, let's go to a young man that you just spoke about on the other side there. He missed the tackle, Cameron Kitchens. That was one of the few bad things I thought he did in that game where this young man is out to send a message. And it usually involves trying to run through someone coming downhill, whether it's in the run game or whether it's someone running a little shallow or an over. He wants to hit you. I thought he did a pretty good job playing deep center field in both single high and, and two high in terms of uh, his coverage responsibilities. He can open his hips and run with receivers. He didn't look stiff at all to me. Um, the more I watch him, the more I like Cameron Kitchens. Yeah, and 
there's no question his aggressiveness and the way he hits pops out on tape. He made a couple of really nice open field tackles uh, in the run game. He looked like he was shot out of a cannon coming on that blitz. Um, that oh yeah, he sacked Drake May. That's right. Um, I didn't know what was happening on Tez's post route for a touchdown. He kind of settled. The nickel was playing on outside leverage, and I didn't know, but it looked like both safety settled. And they had the bracket up top, but there wasn't a bracket uh, where he was. So if I was interviewing him, I would pull up that play and ask him what was his responsibilities and what happened and why was the nick playing that far uh, on outside leverage and you weren't there to take away the uh, inside. But, hey, let me ask you this. Though. So what if he says, yeah, I blew the coverage. That was my fault. I, I came down on the over underneath. Love it. Oh, okay. He, so you don't care that he made a mistake. You care that he owns it. Own it. And I want to see if he's blaming his teammates or if he's taking the responsibility for it. And okay. I want to be a guy that's taking responsibility because no one's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. And if they're willing to own it, uh, I look at that as a huge plus when you're interviewing. But he's a very good football player. I just need to get a better feel for him in coverage. I haven't gotten back and watched all his tape yet on the uh, deep part of the field. I think there may be some space issues with me as far as the coverage standpoint, but as far as the run support and the angles and the pursuit angles he takes, very good and very good open field tackler, except he missed that one tackle on Tez Walker ran through contact when he kind of closed on that uh, in 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 route that uh, ended up being a, a touchdown for Tez. Let me ask you this. A lot of times that these these safeties um, are playing in the deep half of the field in college, how often do you have the conversation about, well, this guy's a great tackler. Let's move him a little closer to the line of scrimmage. The safeties are, you can't get a feel for a safety in one game, three games. To me, you have to almost watch seven or eight games because they have limited opportunities come their way. Right, right. So in order to get a great feel for a safety, in my opinion, you have to almost watch the entire season to try to see different situations because you're not going to see that situation in every game, depending on what the game plan is and depending on what they're doing with them. Okay. A little insight there. Rick bragging about watching 80 hours of tape on the safeties. Now, just uh, getting ready for this podcast after I drive back across Alligator Alley. <laughs> I mean, I've never had so much homework in my life. I'll be honest with you. Oh, my God. I, got, I was almost thinking about jumping back in just because it's not – I don't have to write up <laughs> many guys every week. I thought you were going to say you're going to quit think about quitting the podcast so you could have a little more free time. Um, I, I, I couldn't – this is uh, too important for our listeners. It's too <laughs> important for you to grow as an evaluator. Too important for my self-esteem. Uh, pop, drop. Pop, because I, I did like his aggressive style play. Yeah, he was he was fun. If I if I if I don't know enough about him in coverage yet. Yeah, no, he was he was a fun watch for sure. And a little sneak peek, if you haven't seen or um, listened to it yet, Josh Edwards had Cameron Kitchens going in the first round over a mock draft. All right. So this was a. I was very interested to go back and watch Caleb Williams because watching live, that was a complete and utter ass whooping uh, from top to bottom, not just for Caleb, but for that entire USC team on both sides of the ball. Um, Xavier Woods, Xavier Watts, excuse me, number zero for Notre Dame, had a Hall of Fame game 
Uh, he could not quit making plays, had an interception, at least one that I counted. But I went back and watched, and actually I felt a lot better, a little better about Caleb. You go back and look at all three interceptions, there are reasons for the interceptions. And yeah, dumb decisions. What would you say? Dumb decisions. Yeah, I, I get it, but I, I think you could – and I know what you're going to say. When I get him in a room and I ask him, and I – you go back and watch, you can figure out what, what he's thinking and what he's doing. Maybe he eats the ball, maybe he throws it away. But it's not a situation where he is completely and utterly out of his element and he's not, um, what's the word, flummoxed by the situation that has confronted him. I think he had all three of those interceptions in the first half. And then I was impressed that, number one, even though they're getting their teeth kicked in, he didn't quit playing hard until he got pulled because the game was out of hand. He made a lot of big-time throws after the fact, when the game was well decided. And I give him credit for that. We know about the NAL. We know about he's going to be first overall. And sometimes maybe that that guy could be like, you know what, I'm good. I'm going to go sit over here and chill out. But I took something away from that game in that he can still make the throws. He's still the first overall pick. You want to see him have to grit one out, and he he had to take it. And I thought he bounced back as well as he could have given the circumstances. I agree with you. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm having a tough time saying that. I know you were hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> the three interceptions in the first half, I think, were just poor decisions on him. Those are the type of throws that will be interceptions in the NFL as well. Right. He was under duress. He was just putting the ball up. You can't do that because it's going to create turnovers, especially Notre Dame has a good football team. But what 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 I was impressed with the most was what you're referring to is he came back in the second half and played lights out. In my opinion, he made NFL throws. He made much better decisions. He did not Even though they were down, he wasn't putting the ball in harm's way to create even more and trying to do things that weren't there. He kind of got through his progressions. He actually looked like a legit, not that he's not legit, but what he's going to have to do in the NFL in the second half. Right. And, he didn't put his head in the dirt. He didn't uh, go in the dumper. He came out and almost wanted to prove that, hey, that was an anomaly in the first half. And the way he came out and played in the second half, I was I was very impressed with the way he responded after a poor first half. Yeah, and you want to see some adversity before you you know make the leap, just so you have a sense of what that looks like. And I, I think it says a lot about who Caleb is as a player that he was able to bounce back. He, look, he was clearly frustrated. I get that. And, and who Caleb is as a competitor too. Yeah. So here's the, uh, the $10 question, pop or drop. Mm. You know what? I'm, I'm going to go pop because of how he responded from the adversity that, and the poor decisions he made in the first half. If he would have continued that in the second half, it would have been a different drop, a definite drop. But, because he responded in a very positive way in the second half and looked like the number one overall pick in the second half after having such a poor first half, that spoke volumes to me. I I, uh, I hear what you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree with it, but three interceptions, i got to give you a drop. I do appreciate the way you finished yeah, that game, though. Because you don't look at the underlying reason why I'm giving him a pop. Well, the other thing is that he and – Drake may are both outside the top 50, so that's why they're getting yeah. Well, yeah, I think they'll be great value if someone get them in the ground. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Debo wants me to ask you this question. I think he wants to see you reach through the screen and choke me, but let's see if that happens. 
Uh, I'm quoting Debo here. Are you entertaining people that say that Drake May has a chance to surpass Caleb Williams as QB1? No, I'm not entertaining people that say that. <laughs> That's like, will Jalen Hurst still play the way he played? He threw three interceptions. Is Debo ready to throw him off the boat now? Are you Debo, they, should they get into this uh, Caleb Williams, Drake May? No, they have Tanner McGee. Don't forget okay. Tanner McGee. Yeah, God, God forbid. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's Tanner McGee for people who think that I don't know Tanner's name. Uh, Debo, do you want to follow up on that? Are, are the Eagles interested in Caleb Williams and or Drake May? No, you got to find me a backup right tackle, though. That's the most important position on the yeah. roster. Yeah, that's true. Lane Johnson. Uh, hopefully, Carter, He's athletic. Yeah, Jalen Carter. Let Jalen Carter play right tackle. That would be something. All right. So, yeah, I mean, there has been some rumblings about Drake May. Maybe it has to do with coming back to school for Caleb. I don't know. But I don't think anyone on planet Earth would take, and no disrespect to Caleb, you, uh, to Drake, you're taking Caleb first. Yes, no question. Yeah. All right. We're going to go to rookies, Debo, or we're going to take a break? Let's take a quick break. All right, take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about these rookie quarterbacks right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we had three quarterbacks of the rookie variety play on Sunday, but no Anthony Richardson. And he may need surgery, and he might be out for a while. Hey, boy, that's not great uh, for the culture for Anthony. So hopefully he's able to get back sooner than perhaps we think. But in the meantime, Bryce Young played. That Panthers team was up 14 to nothing in the first quarter on the Dolphins. Called the game. They ended up getting their their breaks, the breaks beat off of them by the time it was all said and done. And then C.J. Stroud uh, led the Texas Hill win over the Saints in Houston. So let's start here. I thought this was Bryce's best game. I don't even know if it's close. Uh, didn't throw an interception, didn't have a fumble. The very first drive back took a sack because Icky Kwanu, God bless him, just whiffed on Bradley Chubb, and Bradley Chubb ran through the back of, of Bryce Young. Other than that, we continue to see throws down the field with anticipation. We can see continue to see toughness in the pocket. I love the touchdown throw just over the uh, outstretched hands of the underneath safety there in the back of the end zone. The arrows pointing up in general on Bryce. I'm concerned about the owner's involvement. I'm concerned about Frank Reich having to continue to explain things away. Him now giving play calling duties to Thomas Brown, which I'm excited to see. But it feels like there's a lot of ancillary stuff going on. But in terms of Bryce, the football player, it feels like he's getting better. Yeah, no, I thought this was his best game, especially the first half and the first quarter. He came out like gangbusters in that touchdown to Thielen. It's called touch with velocity. Oh, that's a good, yeah. So he put touch on the ball, but enough velocity over that linebacker's head. And he was getting in and, in and out of his progressions much better. Looks much more comfortable, even though he's getting whacked still. 
No question about his toughness. No question about his athleticism to buy a second chance. Second half, I didn't think he played as well. But after coming off a two-interception game against Detroit, no interceptions, took care of the ball. He continues to grow as a quarterback. You see some of the highlight-type throws that he can make. And I think his education process will be continuing through the year. But I have no doubt he's going to be a, a, a very good quarterback in this league. Hey, let me ask you something that they talked about leading up to this game. Um, I don't know if Frank Reich said it out loud, but the, report, the reporters, the Panthers beat reporters were talking about it. They simplified the offense, quote-unquote, for Bryce. What does that mean? It means they're not giving them 22 different things to think about at the line of scrimmage, whether that's, okay, when you get up there, make sure you're calling all the protections, identifying the mic. That should be the center's job, especially for a young quarterback. And, okay, go to A to B, not A to B to C to D. Gotcha. And just making things so he can play fast and he doesn't have to think when he plays and he can just go out there. I know A to B, okay, that's elementary. I understand that. Then I can just play with my ability and not having to think. Yeah, we saw that. And part of me wonders, well, why don't we just start there for a rookie quarterback and work our way up? But then we'll talk about C.J. Stroud in a second. Maybe just throw everything at C.J. and you felt comfortable with it and he can handle it. So you, you keep building on that. Uh, but before we talk about C.J., one more thing I wanted to mention. Stephen Holder, who covers the, um, covers the Colts for ESPN, but um, he covered Frank Reich in, in Indianapolis. And he tweeted this out last week. He said it was an open secret in the league that David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, heavily influenced the quarterback choice in Carolina. They took ended up taking Bryce. The assumption is that they wanted CJ. I had heard like in March when we were doing our little pro day tours that the Panthers were leaning heavily, heavily towards CJ over Bryce at the time. But then, you know, things change. How, you never had to deal with this, but just in, in general terms, how do you deal with an owner that wants one thing that maybe the organization staff isn't necessarily in agreement with? Well, the owner is the boss. So, so you just, you do what you're told. Yes. Okay. I mean, you, you lay out all the options, you lay out the positives, the negatives, what's your reasoning, why you want to go this direction. But if the owner is that heavily involved and has the final say or the final call, then you go on board with it. Yeah. And again, I don't, I'm just going on what, what I heard and what I read and, I love Bryce. Bryce was my QB one. He was your QB one. Um, the issue, of course, is the size. I don't think the size has been a problem in terms of the way he's played. I mean, you could look like Anthony Richardson's out because he keeps taking hits. And I don't know if he would be any healthier playing behind this Panthers offensive line. But just something to note, something to keep an eye on. I'm glad Bryce is um, continuing to to play better. And that was that was his best game by far. Uh, now they just got to win a football game because I don't think that uh, Mr. Tepper has a lot of patience with all this losing. Someone who doesn't have to worry about the losing. CJ Stroud, Houston Texans. They continue to ball out. CJ was only quote unquote 13 and 27 for 199. Two touchdowns. Did have his first interception, but CJ is so good that he threw an interception. It was a terrible interception. I don't know how he missed Zach Bond standing there underneath. But Zach Bond fumbled it and they got the ball back. I mean, that's how good the Texans have been playing. Um, great touchdown in the end zone to Dalton Schultz. He could have had three touchdowns. Uh Schultz had one go off his hands later in the game. But again, they won that football game and not I thought this was the first time this season he's looked a little uncomfortable and the defense was able to get him off the spot. The Saints have a really good defense. But again, you come away out of this game with your rookie quarterback in week six, feeling pretty good about his 
continuing ascension to being a franchise quarterback. Yeah, no. And he came back and he responded with some great downfield throws, especially those deep crossing routes to Nico Collins. Um, he has a great rapport with him. Tank Dell was out this game, I believe, uh, with a concussion, so he didn't have him available. Uh, he was a little off to me on some of those outside hitch type routes, outside the number throws uh, that he normally was. But I thought he played with poise and patience. To me, you can't equate to this, but Debo can. That okay? In our golf league, we have this double bogey pool. So you put five dollars in if you can go eighteen holes without a double bogey, that you win the pot. Okay, and that pot grows because the guys I play with, no one ever goes. Every once in a while, you get a guy that just goes par bogey golf the whole time. Wait a second, what's the gimme rule though? And no, you got to put everything out. Okay, money on the line. So to me, this was his double bogey. He finally got it out of the way because the twelve hole twelve or thirteen, I'm sure Debo's starting to shake in his shoes a little bit. <laughs> I can go bogey free here, <laughs> and all of a sudden he gets his double bogey on fourteen. And then he goes back to playing again. So it was nice streak. It was great that he accomplished what he accomplished. But now not everybody's talking about that. Now he can just go out. He doesn't have to worry as much well. And, it, and like I said, it was a poor decision on the throw. But it was almost like I want to get it over with so I can yeah. get perception so I can move on in life. And best case scenario, they got the ball, literally got the ball back. Yeah. And the other thing is I believe the New Orleans Saints at the time leads the league in turnovers or interceptions so there was a lot of uh some of the other shows that i was doing for cbs it was a lot of over and under is this because of the new orleans defense he finally throws his first interception because of the ball hawking secondary that they do have yeah and that's the other thing that defense is, is for real and they played a lot of man early on and guys weren't getting as open as they were later and then you had the runaways you talked about nico collins running open dalton schultz continues to build rapport with um with CJ and CJ also had the, the second touchdown was to Robert Woods, where he came across the formation, looked left, wasn't there, and then whipped it right in in the middle of the field to, to Woods there for his second touchdown. All right. Another inspiring performance by CJ. Bryce is on the up and up. And our guy, we saw the senior bowl and really did not look good at the senior bowl, looked overwhelmed by being on the, the bigger stage. Tyson Bajan. D2 player out of, out of Shepherd, I think Shepherd's University in West Virginia. Yep. Talked about him in preseason. Looked pretty good. Looked like a different player. Came in after Justin Fields hurt his wrist. And we'll see where we are on that as we get through the week here. In the third quarter, in his first um, pass, he ripped the ball to the left. A great throw on a, on a flat route. Then, um, again, the offensive line just lost their minds. He got smoked. Fumble six, and that ain't exactly how you want to start things. But I came away pretty impressed with a young man with not a ton of experience at the high level, making some big-time throws. He has a big arm. He can make off-platform throws. Interception in the end, the ball came out funny. I don't think he got hit, but sometimes, and you rarely see this in the NFL, but when you try to throw a football too far, it can come out like a arm punt, and that's what that looked like that sort of wrapped things up and, as they were trying to win that football game. But overall, I'm I feel – Encouraged by Tyson Bates' performance? It reminded me of him going out there and he doesn't, he he didn't care. I mean, not in nah. a bad way, in a good way. Yeah. I'm just go out there. Nothing to lose. Play an NFL game. I'm going to go out there and just have fun. And it looked like he was having fun. 
There's no question about his athleticism. He was throwing some off his back foot, which is, and made some really nice throws. I think the first six attempts after that flat route were all screens. Yeah. Trying to get the ball out of sand. Some of them went in the dirt. And then the most disappointing thing was you have an opportunity to live for another down and you throw that interception at the end of the game and you're only down six. Right. So poor decision, but hopefully he learns from that. But he was kind of watching him just as like, he just wanted to go out there and play. It was almost like watching a little bit of street ball where I understand he was doing what he was asked to do, going through the, doing the th- plays that were called, but just feeling free and having fun. And whatever was going to happen was going to happen but I'm not going to go down without a fight or without a swing. And that's kind of the impression I got now ways to go. Definitely. And now the D coordinators have some game film on him. It's going to be a whole different ball game uh, if he has to start next week, but no one really knew who he was. And I'm sure Minnesota didn't know who he was. I mean, you watch some, you don't even, you're in game six now or five, uh, and so you're not going to go back and watch preseason game because you're you're not anticipating him to come in and play. You know, you're doing all your game planning to try to keep Justin Fields under control because he's been on fire the last two weeks. So this kid comes in and you're kind of getting a feel what this kid does basically on the fly. And uh, but it was kind of fun to watch, although yeah. it was ugly at times, but it'll be a different story. I believe if he has to start, uh, next week. So in your mind, that's the difference between the preparation teams were afforded when Dorian Thompson Robinson and Aiden O'Connell started for the Browns and Raiders, whereas Tyson they just were, came in. Yeah. And they were announcer. They knew they were had an opportunity to potentially start. And those young men had very rough afternoons. Yes, they did. And I have a feeling that Bajent, if you want a <laughs> French term, just like Maison Smith, Maison Bajent. Uh, that 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 may be a little different outcome on uh, now that these defenses will watch this game and then they'll go back and watch all of his preseason tape if he's projected to be the starter next week. Yeah, but credit to him. Like you said, he came out and and was just slinging it, ten of fourteen for eighty three yards. He had that interception at the end, dictate that sack that was returned for six. Oh, yeah, he did. It's like I said, no holds bar. I got an opportunity to go out and play an NFL game. Well, I'm going to go out and just makes as. Joe Webb told me before he went out in the first <laughs> NFL game, I don't know what's going to happen, but some stuff is going to happen. When some I stuff out. happened. And look, I, I'll say this for, in Tyson's defense, the strides he made from January when we saw him in Mobile oh, yeah. to the August when we saw him in preseason to last Sunday, those are enormous. So credit to him for that. And we'll see what happens. Should he have to start if, if Justin's going to be out for some time with that wrist injury? All right, Rick, let's hit my top five rookies. And uh, I'll read them out here since we're pressed for time. I'll, I'll go five to one, and then we'll go through them quickly here. Number five, Deontay Banks, cornerback for the Giants. Uh, man, they should have won that game in Buffalo. Devin Witherspoon at number four. And these guys were all really close if we're uh, if you're going to press me on that. Devin Witherspoon playing a lot more slot now for Seattle. Started outside, and uh, now that he's healthy, they're moving him everywhere, and he's just lighting people up in that game against the Bengals. That was a fun game to watch. Save Flowers. Bounced back from that uh, not-so-great performance against the Steelers. Had six catches for 50 yards and a touchdown for the Ravens at number three. At number two, Michael Mayer. They're finally using him in Las Vegas. He's becoming a bigger part of the offense. I forgot, and this is on me, 
this dude is a really good athlete. Like he moves well in space. He's not just some inline plotter. Rick's making a face. You can talk about that in a second. And number one, my guy, your guy, Bryce Young. And you can put CJ there, but I'm giving Bryce a little love because we haven't talked a lot about him except for in, in bad terms in recent weeks. So I want to give him a, a shout out for his performance. Uh, even though they got the the doors blown off against a really high powered uh, Dolphins team, so take it away, Rick. Yeah, no, Banks is a very good man cover guy. Uh, he's not as good uh, when he's in off. Made a great play on uh, Diggs uh, when uh, they scrambled, uh, and then he plastered Diggs when Josh Allen got outside the pocket. Down and didn't DPI it. Just he was very no. patient. No, and he is a physical corner now. He's going to get his hands on you, and he's going to – there are a couple questionable why they didn't call defensive <laughs> penalties yeah. on him, but he's not going to back down, which is fun to see. And Weatherspoon continues to impress me every time he gets on the field. Uh, on Whether he's blitzing, whether he's, you know, knifed off the edge on a run support and threw his bag of bones into the pile and made a nice tackle – uh, gets his hands on balls down the field. Great close on some underneath routes. On the uh, second, on the first pass play, I think he blitzed off the off the uh, from the slot and not, had to knock the pass down. Yeah, that was one of his three PBUs. So he is a playing very good, and uh, I'm not going to say he's going to get in defensive rookie of the year conversations yet, but I would be creeping him up the uh, whatever the plus 250 if I wanted. <laughs> Wait a dump. second. What do you mean you wouldn't put him in the conversation yet? Because of Jalen Carter or because no, of? I, I would put him in that. I don't think he's Jalen Carter yet. Yeah. But I do think that he needs to be starting to get talked about if he continues to play at the right. same okay. playing. Uh, Zay Flowers, it seems to be the go-to guy right now for Lamar. Uh, and there's no question about his twitch and great job adjusting a route on his touchdown. Also caught a two-point conversion. London seems to be his cup of tea as we like to say over there. <laughs> you love that one, didn't you? Uh, hey, let me ask you something. So the drops last week, the whole team couldn't catch the football. Is that, do you not even talk about it? Like it's, so, it was so random, not something that was in his past. Or you just move on? Like, how do you deal with that? And he didn't have a drop this game. So no. whatever reason they were dropping the ball, it was just one of those days. I mean, why do you want to keep harping on a negative? Why don't you say, Hey, I was, uh, I want to make everyone better. I just yeah. Okay, well, by making everybody better, okay, if it continues five games from now, then we got an issue. But, hey, move on. It was a bad game. Let's go. Hey, Rick, if you can't see it, there's a one in front of the 91. So Positive reinforcement. <laughs> Straight negative. I, I don't, it's hard to figure you out. You got 250 guys in your top 50. You got yeah, I know. Uh, 200 guys in your first round mock. And yet you want to kill Zay Flowers because he had drops last and year. And Caleb and Drake. They're not going in the first round either. Yeah. And Caleb and Drake are in the fifth round. <laughs> Boy, you're hard to figure out on this podcast. It's, All right, it's, well, try to try I'm, to figure it. Oh, I'm, go ahead, Mayor. So, um, he's only had I went back and looked twelve targets and through these first games, and six of them came in this game. Uh, he needs to be more involved in the offense. Uh, he is. Uh, not a unique athlete for the position, but what we saw in college, you saw in this game, his ability to catch the ball. I really was impressed, not with his athleticism as a runner after the catch, but he runs hard and he can make a sidestep, but he's not. Yeah. It, he does things that showed up and why he was selected where he was selected. And a lot of things you've seen at Notre Dame, you've seen here. Um, 
and he was very good in pass pro. I went back and watched some of his pass bow reps. He needs to get more consistent as an inline run blocker because we labeled him the most complete Y type tight end coming out in this year's draft that can do a lot of things good. And I think he's going to continue to get better, but he's never going to be a complete mismatch guy. Uh, you know, like a Kyle Pitts or oh, good no, no, but I mean, someone like that, but he is going to be a very solid tight end. You talked about it just a moment ago in the, in the, the move, the, the ball he caught in the, in the, in space there. And then he juked the defender and cut inside that that's some athleticism that I sort of had forgotten about when he's in Notre Dame. Yeah. But it was a nice little subtle sidestep juke move. And then he plows forward and runs through about two or three guys yeah. to get extra yards after contact. That's the type of tight end. That's a very good tight end. I think he's going to be a good tight end in this league. Let me ask you this. If he's playing in the slot and you, you line Devin Witherspoon up no, on him 10 up. times, who are you taking? The, well, I'm taking Witherspoon, but the only say thing that showed up in Mayer's college tape is that I thought he had some unique skills um, in contested situations. Okay. And, and has very good hands in contested situations. Okay. So that'd be a good matchup. All right. And we talked about Bryce. You want to give Bryce any more love or you're, you're all yeah, loved out yeah. on Bryce. Keep going that way. Keep going that way. And no, if to see with, if, uh, with Brown, the play caller, uh, if he does things differently with Bryce. Yeah. So Thomas came over from LA with Sean McVay and we'll, we'll see if that has any impact on what they do. We just talked we'll about the end Indy with Frank Reich and Ursa made him fire him. Wait, say that part again. What'd you say? He was in as the OC with Frank Wright with the Indianapolis Colts. And before Frank Wright got fired, three weeks before that, the Ursay made Frank Wright fire Thomas Brown. Oh, God. I didn't know that was Thomas. That, oh, my goodness. All right. Interesting. Well, let's hope David Tepper and Mr. Ursay aren't talking on the phone about anything and the Panthers can get this thing turned around. Because I would like to see uh, that we get a win. Bryce continue to play well. If you want to put CJ in the top five there, number one, go ahead. If that makes you feel better. I just wanted to give Bryce some love to make that clear. Otherwise, I think we're done, Rick. That's a wrap on episode 89. Thanks as always to my guy, Rick. Thanks to Debo for producing. And thanks to all you guys who watch and listen. We'll be back on Thursday to talk about my top 50 big board, Rick. So study up. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> I got now on Thursday to look at 250 guys to make a squeeze in the top 50. And don't forget, we had also look at the five star reviews. Going to empty that mailbag. See so you have 300 guys to watch. Oh my God. All right. We'll see you guys in. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving non stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.